Hi, Grifters. Welcome back to the Leverston Podcast, where today we'll be discussing episode 514, The Koi Job. As always, I'm your host, Kayla Dobson, and today I'm joined by your usual guests, executive producers and co-creators of Leverage, John Rogers and Chris Downey. Hey, guys. Hello. And today we're also joined by Leverage writer, Jen Cow. Hi. She is sitting in for Joe Hortua, who unfortunately could not join us today, but Jen was in the room when we broke the episode, so she can give us other writer uh, credit. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, well, this was our Christmas episode of the year and our last one before the season finale, so I'm sure our fans, so our fans did have a lot of questions. If everyone's ready, let's dive right in. Absolutely. Uh, Gloria1989 asks, seriously, who came up with Baby Feels a lot? Uh, I think it's you, Joe. that was you. That was me. <laughs> yeah. That was me. I think so. I, it was, that was straight up like old uh, comedian comedy writing, like just <laughs> sit in a room and think of the most horrible toys you can. <laughs> Uh, it was baby stabs a lot. I think it started as, and then turned into okay. Can't plainly be can't be baby stabs a lot. So what does it turn into? And then uh, it just turned into the horrible twisting head, like the, the the fucked up baby face with the two faces. And then I forget. It wasn't me who came up with baby feels a lot though. I came up with the toy. Somebody came else who came up with the name. Might well, have been Joe. well maybe uh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, eventually the story morphed into when. You know, the two sides of the con were conning the kids and then conning the parents. And right. I think maybe maybe Feels a Lot was... Oh, that was the parents' con. That That's was right. the parents' con. That's right. Right, right, right. But I think the idea of the, the reason everyone started pitching on uh, the two-headed baby was just that immediately we saw the, um, you know, the accessorized yes. uh, opportunities <laughs> because you can get all kinds of different feelings that you want to have your baby... Yeah. So then you buy one, and then you, and you know you it seemed like a good out. it seemed like a good pitch from a toy company. Exactly, there's one head that's ennui and enthusiasm. Yeah, we did. We had yeah, a lot. Of, is, we had fun going through all a lot the, of heads. the gradations yeah. of feelings. Exactly. I remember this being one of the best room riffs, though. I really do. The whole like baby, too much rage, or a baby, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, trying right, to figure right. out exactly right. what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby hates a lot. Floated around for a while. <laughs> baby bereft. Baby bereft. <laughs> yeah. Is there like a stoic baby head? Just a baby, <laughs> just both. It, it's both. It whether through good or bad, it just has the same serene look on its face. Right. Right. Baby seen too much. Baby, <laughs> wow, oh, that's terrible. baby seen too much. That's just awful. like the thousand years. Like no, it, baby hopeful and baby seen too much. Like the one face I'm is the face of the kid, baby. the kid who was like coming off the bus in the Hollywood bus stop oh, to make her dreams, oh. and then the other one. Oh, it's the thousand yard stare of baby seen too much. Oh, oh Jen, that's fucked up. Identify with that baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, that leads directly into our next our next question from Moonstar, who asks, "How many other toy ideas did the writers come up with before settling on Baby Feels a Lot, and how much time was devoted to coming up with the impo- the most impossible ones?" Well, we just I think we all just listed our favorite toys, and we talked about like how it, like what there were variations of. Like for but example, it, oh, I was going to say I think Joe. A lot of the toys in the episode. He found Joe. Research. Joe is uh, was a journalist as yeah. his background, and he just did a ton of research on this episode. Like he found about those that those clearances work exactly right. the same like the way they do right. for the the NFL loser T-shirts that they go they get dumped off in other countries. Right. So oh. once he found there was the the warehouse of loser toys. Um, yeah, so a lot of the ones in the episode were actual variations, variations yeah. of toys that had been rejected. But a lot of the internet. But a lot of toys, like I used to, I used to think like Lego, uh, not Lego, Lightbright. Lightbright yes. is uh, here, kid. Here's tiny shards of glass. <laughs> you stick in this electrified grid. You then plug into the wall. When you what say the, it like that, that's really really it's like that's that's a Lightbright is just a variation on a toaster and a fork, really. Right, right, right. <laughs> Except the lights lighting up, not you. <laughs> it's not that much safer. Best toy ever. Lightbright lawyers on Thailand too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, actually, kind of moving on from that, talking about the research, Anonymous asks, we all know how in-depth research for the episodes go, but is it really true that companies are not required to have a safety report done by the government? Absolutely. Yeah. We actually softened it for the episode. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Most of the toy, most of the safety standards are bullshit. Most of the safety standards are gamma. It's, now, a lot of companies that are legitimate companies, because we're not anti-corporation, anti-company here, people do play by the rules. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of room in the rules for you to get away with this stuff. And much like the four out of five dentist thing, there's a lot of safety councils that are indeed for doctors in Guam. Oh, we, yeah. that's how that works. Yes. And those four doctors in Guam, they release a, look, it's like, you know, anyone can start an organization you know, Americans for American Future, and it's one dude, and collect a bunch of money, and it seems like it's an organization. Yeah. You can do the same with safety committees and safety councils and peer reviews, and yeah. This is definitely an episode where, like, as a new mom, I was like, oh, learning too much. <laughs> <laughs> learning way too much. It's really, it really put, puts a cloud over Christmas. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Opening those boxes and then just, yes. oh, nobody Were you look, yes. Are you looking at the side of the boxes? Like, do I recognize these people? Do I know from our research whether this is a real it's safety like, group or not? Your present is this beautiful safety gate. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Oh, oh, no. Just wide enough to stick a baby's head through. Yeah, and I bet out. you do that. You need to get the full-on bubble. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bubble. The hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we actually have another question from Anonymous, who uh, who's now talking about our characters. Hazlitt must have been the sleaziest villain you've ever taken down. Really? <laughs> Maybe because I don't like kids much. It didn't really land me. <laughs> I, I wasn't that affected. Uh, but it does make me wonder, how much does Sophie's relationship with Nate influence her ability to grift a mark like him? It feels like in the old days, she'd have used all her feminine charms to make him lose sight of his plan. I don't think she could. I don't think she, like, like he was, the reason the, her grift work is he was a narcissist. Like, and he okay. admits he's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. There's only so far you can grift a narcissist. You know, sure. they're, they're, it's, it's about them. You know, I think, mm -hmm. I think Sophie, the, you know, regardless of what she offered him, there was not going to be an exchange of power or concentration. That's mm -hmm. how being in a relationship with narcissists work. So, you know. She went as far as she wanted to, probably aggravating him and, and depriving him of stuff is what kept his attention better than anything else. And so I don't think it's really based on that relationship. Mm. I don't think Sophie, I, I think Sophie really ran close to the line but never crossed the line in her cons. Oh, and to the point that, that he's the sleaziest villain, I did delight in the fact that he morphed from arms dealer to toys. Yes. Yeah. To toy <laughs> and, that, and that also is based on that this thing that's real. Yeah. Uh, th there are a lot of executives now who do not rise up through the company that they, they belong in, but, but instead kind of hop from company to company, building the companies up, getting their CEO payout, and moving on. Right. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, and this whole professional class of CEOs that move from industry to industry... Yeah. And just, you know, they yeah. don't know anything about the, the business model. They just... Yeah, they're not quite CEOs. the leverage buyout guys because those are different. Their job right. is to strip the company to sell it. These guys are, the, are actually to get the bottom line up and make mm -hmm. the company more valuable. But uh, as a result, they just use these sort of mercenary tools. Yeah. They don't actually care about the company in any way, shape, or form. And is that more prevalent in the toy industry or is just... I don't think so, no. It's just one of those, like, we... we a guy who'd come up in the toy industry making bad toys for a long time, somebody should have caught into that earlier. Mm -hmm. So the idea that this guy had come in and disrupted an industry made more sense for, like, the why now of the show. Okay. I definitely think it's just, this is just a CEO thing. Like, as soon as, um, you know, what is it? Like, when you get shares as part of your compensation, mm -hmm. yeah. it just means that when you show up, you're going to do things that juice up the company in a short term 
but yeah. in the long term don't really help it out right that makes sense that makes sense well, moving on to something a little more happy. Uh, Rocket to Russia asks, love, love, love Zachary and the acting students. Is this the last we'll see of them, or will they come back in, fingers crossed, season six? Uh, well, they have a light, They have a nice arc. Mm-hmm. And they, they feed into Sophie's arc well. I don't know. If, if, season, if we get a season six, I think it's a very different season mm-hmm. uh, because of the changes. So... The I, just changes. Lo- I just love doing that. <laughs> oh, so you should, you should have said the because changes. of the... Dot, dot, dot. dot changes. Changes. There That's you really go. What I know. I was trying to throw it away. I was yeah. trying to, yeah. Also, there was people on Twitter, there were people on Twitter tweeting hashtag Nate Tumor, just FYI because of you. <laughs> look, it, if it was as simple as, eh, then we even do that. But <laughs> look, I think, I think it's fascinating that everyone assumes Nate's the one who's going to die. We will say that we do love the acting students. It, yes, was, it, was, it was great to have this shock troop. Yes. Of uh, people <laughs> and, that we could use. And a real testimony to the Portland actors because they were meant to be kind of a one off and we just liked the actors so much we right. wound up kept it kind of constantly involving them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They earned their way to more page weight. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, now, talking about, so this was our Christmas episode of the season. We always try to do a Christmas episode. Um, and talking specifically about that, Laura asks, how much did the death of Nate's father play into a suddenly Grinch-like approach to Christmas? In the ho-ho-ho job, he seemed pretty committed to get the team their special gifts. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, look, he I, probably had some uh, some effect on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think also, I think the first Christmas episode was the indulgent one. Like, right. Sophie talks him into doing this mm-hmm. as they're kind of finally getting into some sort of relationship that makes sense. This is his nature reasserting itself. Nate is not a generous person by his nature. I think that was stern dad coming back at the same time, the death of his father really landing mm-hmm. on him, and as you'll see next week, the death of his son very much kind of uppermost in his mind. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's a little tidbit. Yeah, there you go. So I like how they assume there's one death, too. John! <laughs> <laughs> I think the motif of this podcast is dot, dot, dot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll title it as, just an ellipsis. Yeah. Uh, so MCU asks, why were Parker and Hardison feeling so guilty about this specific con? It was, it was about saving kids from a dangerous toy. They were saving Christmas, not ruining it. Yeah, but it was, it, they were manipulating children. I mean, yeah. I think I think it, you know. Uh, this is this is something they wouldn't have been bothered by in year one. Right. Okay. Right. That they are now bothered by. It's it's part of their emotional arc, and also right. Christmas has become something meaningful to them as a couple. Okay. Because right. they really didn't start celebrating Christmas that much until I mean Parker in particular, and Parker had always a love of Christmas mm-hmm. that was unfulfilled. So it was like the one one or two things she cares about in the world. Nate is screwing with in a very dark way. You know, it, it, yeah. Yeah, manipulating children, I think, would uh, at this point in the de- in the development of the characters would give them pause. See me also again? No, I just, <laughs> I don't, they're just they're just um, tiny people who don't have to live by the same rules as us, and therefore get away with more shit. That's what I see. That's true. A, an adult murders you, they go to jail. A kid murders they you, are. they go to juvie. What the hell's that about? They are the true forty-seven percent, aren't they? they? They're they're just takers. They're All just they do takers. is take. Yeah. Oh, no, I was so confused. Sorry I stabbed you to death with a screwdriver. Out by 19! <laughs> That's not cool. Well, but if a kid's coming at you, you should be able to fend them off. Well, you're, you're surprised. <laughs> you're like, hey, what? Uh, do you need a screwdriver? Because why are you coming out with, oh, a screwdriver is a weapon! I did not anticipate that. And I just, you know, they're little piston-like arms. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Playing video games and throwing the baseball yeah. around, just working the ribs with a screwdriver. 
Next thing you know, you're bleeding out, and they're like, I'll say I had a sad and a childhood therapist to make wow. me some stuff, and I'll be out by 19. There's win- win- your, there's your life is worth four years. There's a lot of, there's a lot of windows open in this podcast. <laughs> there's next week, there's yeah. the rapacious children <laughs> getting a free ride in society. You're getting a lot from John today. Apparently. Yeah. Not as bad as a dog. A dog, <laughs> a dog is a toddler who never stops being a toddler, and most of them can murder you. <laughs> it never stops being an insane, insane child. True. Well, if, if children, if manipulating children is where they'll draw the li- is tentatively draw the line, what's something else the team would draw the line on? Uh, well, you know, we, we tend, uh, we don't take advantage of people's good nature. Yes. So cons... We'll never have a con that plays upon somebody's uh, charitable impulses. Yeah. Uh, we won't have a con that really plays upon, you know, someone trying to be reunited with a lost relative. I mean, those yeah, are... Yeah, and we've, we've played with that because there are a lot of lost air cons. That's why we wound mm-hmm. up doing the lost air con with the horse. Right, but, but and we also did one, but it wasn't directly related to the, to the yeah. person. It was the... the the, oh, yours. That's yeah, right. mine. Where he, he had he had died, and it was the lawyer who was standing to inherit, right. and, he, and so we used the lost air con there. But we, if somebody has a genuinely decent, you know, motivation, we won't exploit that. Our yeah. team won't exploit that for money. Well, well let me ask you, Jen, because you you've been on two years on the show. We we've been here five. Is there any like what does that? You you watch the show, then you start writing the show. Are there any lines that like occur to you? Well, this is just a small moment, but I remember really early on, I can't remember the term we had for it in the room, where, like, if we were just clearing out, like, a good-natured, good person, again, we can't, we wouldn't clear them out in a bad way. Like, yeah. We wouldn't they have to get them. a reward. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, what, was yeah. The, what was the name? Like, oh, it was, it was in the wedding job where we had a, we, in an early version of the wedding job, and I forget the guy's name, we had a very awful wedding planner yes. Yes. Uh, that we needed to clear out because the team then takes the role of the wedding planner and all the people putting the wedding together. And I believe in an early version of the script, he was sent across the border to Mexico, and yeah. he was... Uh, and then tries to come back with a, I believe, a Syrian passport. <laughs> yes. Like an unstamped Syrian passport. And he was uh, subjected to horrible yeah. uh, interrogation in uh, Mexican. Yeah. And I believe we rightly got the note from TNT. You know, the fact that he was an awful wedding planner does not seem does not, to warrant this treatment. He should not go to Gitmo because of Yes, that. exactly. Yeah. Well... Well, oh, you're getting married. That's why. Are we allowed to say that? Because now the fans are like devastated. Well, I guess it's out now, John. Right, you let the cat out of the bag. Off the market, Thank folks. You. Yep. Thank you. That's fine. I got my dress. No. <laughs> uh, well, so Anton we'll, was the guy's name. Anton. Anton that's Anton, right. Yes. We will not Anton someone. We will not Anton someone. That's right. That is what we say in the writers' room. Yes. I like that. Okay, so no children, no Gitmo. No Anton. No, no Anton. <laughs> Good to know. And even, uh, again, I'm half and half on the kids. <laughs> <laughs> what about dogs? No, dogs are great. Okay. So they're murderous, but they're loyal. No conning dogs. No, why would okay. you con a dog? <laughs> Just trying to figure out. Like, what is the dog, what is there to take advantage of the dog's <laughs> expectations? You give, he would like some meat over there, you throw some meat over there, and you sneak past him. You have to, like, your rule is always, for a con, take them out of their comfort zone. Right. Like, what's a dog's comfort zone? It's true. Like, you know, try Licking to make them balls? Do, like math, do math, try to get them to lick something else. You know? <laughs> Here, play with a cat toy. I don't know what I'm doing. It's a cat toy, not it's a dog true. toy. Just, no. We have not done any dog-based cons. No. Well, we, we talked about it. Try to afford a dog, try to afford a dog for two days of shooting. <laughs> yeah. 
Not possible. It's damn lucky. The writers are damn lucky they didn't wind up in a dog costume at some point. <laughs> Although that was pitch. <laughs> that was. Uh, so our next question is a three-parter. Lucille 3 asks, so did Parker keep the warehouse in Boston, or did she set one up in Portland? And I thought she and Hardison lived together now. Is every member of the crew living above the brew pub, or do they all have their own places? Lucille 3 really is uh, <laughs> it's a switch to decaf. <laughs> they, uh, There's a lot of questions. Intense you're, question. you're, so you always say that Elliot and Hardison live together in, with bunk beds. Yes, they yeah. have bunk beds with, <laughs> with NFL sheets. Yeah. Um, so, in order. Did Parker keep the warehouse in Boston where she set up uh, in Portland? Yes, she has multiple. She has multiple warehouses. Multiple. All identical. All right. The only one that shows you which one she's sleeping at the time is where Mr. Bunny is. Okay. Um, I thought she and Hardison lived together now. They don't. They they do spend a lot of time together upstairs mm -hmm. in Hardison's crash pad, which is what is upstairs above the brew pub. Mm -hmm. But she keeps her own place because you should always keep your own place. Okay. There you go. Uh, that's my advice to you. Someone's been married a long time. Just, you know, when you're young, don't rush into the moving together. <laughs> Keep your own place. You want a little, you want a little place to take off steam. Okay. Uh, do yourself a favor. Do yourself there a you favor, with John Rogers. You, you go. gotta do that. See, when you get married, that winds up being a garage or your car parked around the corner <laughs> as you scream into the windshield, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. And that's men and women. That's both. Uh, there was when, when my wife and I had our first big fight when we got married. She tried to storm out and had the sudden realization she had nowhere to go. And I think that made her angrier. She's like, I'm going home. Damn it, get out. I'm like, I'm not getting out. I'm not mad. It is. Yeah. Um, is every member of the crew living above the brew pub? No, they're not living above the brew pub. Nate and Sophie have separate places. If they did, we would have had the pole that yes, they went they, they down. Yes, they slide down in the morning. They slid down in the morning in order That's to... That's an awesome the, idea. Yeah. That is an awesome idea. And Elliot, of course, doesn't need a place to live because he doesn't sleep. He just walks he the streets. He only sleeps 90 minutes. 90 minutes. He just he does that standing up with his eyes open. <laughs> right. like, a, like a horse of justice. It's a little scary. <laughs> so moving on, uh, Anonymous asks, I love this episode, especially the closing scene where Nate shares the memory of his father's Christmas gift and how he passed it on to his son. Who came up with that bit? It's Joe. I uh, know. Actually, I believe um, Paul, Joe couldn't... Uh, you know, oversee the episode in Oh, set. oh, that's right, that's right. Paul on had set. the scene, but pardon me, Joe had the scene, but Paul had the bit. Paul had the bit, yeah. Right. So Paul so, Dio was up there supervising the show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the scene got rewritten, and Paul really did a wonderful job yeah. on this uh, uh, scene between uh, Nate. That's right. And and, and Tim is musical, and Tim's yes. family is. Tim's son is very musical, and yeah. so they. I think that was yeah. They drew a lot. Paul and Tim worked very hard on that. Speech. Yes, I think that's right. So for our fans, does that happen often where scenes get rewritten on Usually on the, set? the actors just do exactly what we tell them, and they're lucky to have the opportunity. <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen that often, but we it, it, it happens often enough because, look, the, the there are shows where that doesn't happen, but we always say that like the actors are the guardians of the characters. The, mm -hmm. If the actor feels something's fundamentally not right, they're allowed to go, I'm just not cool saying it this way, mm -hmm. or I don't think this is right. Hopefully that happens during development or when they're reading the script and they call Chris or I at the office and we go through it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just get on set and everyone says the words and you're like, that doesn't sound right. And then mm -hmm. you, you dig in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, we, we keep it pretty loose. Nice. Uh, and so our last official question, Summer asks, love the exchange of trust as gifts. I wish we could have heard what the others had shared, hint, hint. Dot, 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 indeed. Sophie shared her hatred of children. <laughs> she said, um, pretty much the speech I said. And every guess is where that came. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, the uh, let's see, what would I can just else? picture that perfectly. Yeah, just Gina, because Gina would land the comedy too. She's like stabbing you with the screwdriver. Just a little... It's never enough with these people. They want to know everything. They want to know what goes on after the elevator doors close. They want. They want to know. Come on. That's they want to know what happens to the survivors after the season finale. John. I think whatever people want to think is probably yeah fair. I mean, you're fans of the say, show. Yeah, whatever you, whatever makes you want to watch the show again. Exactly. So perfect that. answer. Dot dot dot. Yeah. All right. Well, then moving on to our bonus questions, if you guys have time. Darth Luke asks, uh, "What were some of your favorite toys as children?" Chris. Oh, I had this toy. Ah, oh, now it just flew into my head just as you asked that question. Do you want me to get it on eBay for you? Uh, maybe. Like, you know, like a wrap gift? I'm not going to say anything. Okay. It was a Milton Bradley uh, game and it was two uh, biplanes, okay, that were held up. Do you remember this gift? Do you remember this? Vaguely. Okay. They were held up uh, uh, with pieces of plastic, little targets, right. and you fired these BBs uh, across the, you know, playing field and you had to knock each one of the two supports down so that the uh, plane was face down and then you, the other guy couldn't fire anymore. So it was a kind of like a... So that was your that was your goal. It was yeah. kind of like air hockey a little bit. I was about to say, it's a little air hockey A little air hockey-ish. And, but with BBs. Uh, with BBs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the gun was in the, the, the thing. You didn't have like a BB gun in your hand and firing it. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's I mean, a different game. No, the BBs rolled across oh, the playing okay, surface okay, okay. so that when they knocked like it BBs out. are ball bearings. Like ball bearings. Like steel balls? Yeah, little yeah, ball, yeah, bearings. ball bearings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my favorite toy. That's brilliant. Tim, what was your favorite toy? I had this um like stuffed Stegosaurus. Steggy. That was my, my nice. favorite toy. And I have him now. My parents brought him into storage. Oh, like, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's Steady. wonderful. I had, I had a stuffed toy like that. I had a little dog that I, I as a kid, I sucked on. The, the paws were bent, <laughs> yeah. right? And I sucked on the paws so much that he had one stump. Like, the three of the paws still had their feet. But I had, as a kid, sucked all the stuffing out. So he just had, like, one stump. And then uh, I remember my grandfather, drunk, explaining how, like, the, that the... Coming up with the story, the dog had been in World War Two with him. Oh, that's and they, great! He had lost the, like you know, a landmine in Italy, and then that's you know, it was uh, it was more for him than me. I think he was pretty done. No, at the time. I feel like that's a very seminal moment in your childhood. You realize that things maybe not you know but, bad things could happen. Things could happen to him. No, my favorite toy was GI Joe. Absolutely GI Joe. GI Joe. GI I had the fold out headquarters, and I had the ATV nice. vehicle. And nice. The, oh. Every variation thereof. I, I love G.I. Joe. And that was before he got all weirdly roided up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was, was classic right. Joe, uh, just post-Vietnam when people still ambivalent about him. Just <laughs> like, uh, life like hair. Life like hair, the scrubby hair. Uh, you know, and then pull take, a string and would say, I've got a tough assignment for you. Well, I didn't have the string one. <laughs> oh, I didn't have that. Those were the later ones, the string. He, he, mine didn't talk. I didn't talk. That was classic, classic Joe. Classic Joe, classic Joe. A lot of different jobs. The diver, remember the diving, the yeah, big diving sure. helmet wear? Yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite toy? There's two I can think of. I think I got them both for the same, both of the same um, Christmas. There was, I think it was called Kitty Kitty Purr Purr, and it was a stuffed cat, and That's it had. That's not the name you dance under. <laughs> no. It had like a. Bienvenue, Monsieur de la Primera Times. Bienvenue, ah, Kitty Kitty Pepper. Exactly. Pour some. 
Now that toy is ruined forever. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it, ha- it had some sort of mechanism in its See, head. See, you do, if you introduce the bit, I have to do the bit. Oh, <laughs> I love it was French. Oh. It's a fr- oh, I went to Montreal. Strip joint sun class here in Montreal. I'm sorry. So Kitty, so we ruined one toy. What was that, the other one? That toy's ruined. Well, it was. It had a mechanism in its head, and so it sounded like it was purring. And the oh, other, nice. yeah, nice. the other was crisscross crash, and I it was that. a, yeah, it was like a race car track, and the cars would zoom, and then oh, sometimes they'd crash into each other. Oh, that great. was that was my favorite. I remember nice. getting that. That was great. So. Impala? Was it a? Was it a? Uh, <laughs> it was Impala. I was, I was gonna let her Immediately, on it's. I see Geppetto making uh, Pinocchio <laughs> in a in a shop. So in, in the in the rural Italian village where you grew up, there was like, there was the, the toy maker. The toy maker who was next to was the he like, Was it like an inherited thing? Like <laughs> the toy maker? Oh my God! Did you make the, take the toy maker's son and he wanted to be more and you ran away in the city, but then he realized he was doing to be a toy maker. Then he went back to the village. <laughs> and then you exactly came to L.A. and he's still back to making toys. <laughs> and every year at Christmas. He sends you a tiny little carved toy like a little doll that nobody else knows the of. Is that? Yes. I didn't just come with that off the top of my head, right? That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's uh, exact. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say this. My dad used to make my toys. Oh, that's oh. nice. There you go. So um, I have a bunch of stuff still nice. at home. Uh, nice. My dad. Like car type stuff? And he, made, he made me a dollhouse. Oh wow! He made me a dollhouse. He made me a kitchen, like you know those oh. stand type nice. things. Like a play kitchen. Oh. He, he he made all everything in our house. Um, so everything my dad made. Really. Oh, that's amazing. Well, See? he made like amazing stuff. Oh. Yeah, my f- yeah. Oh, our stuff was manufactured by yeah. like slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes. Yours, so much yours was made with love, and that's awesome. <laughs> and that's why you should talk on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you have awesome stories. Ella has good do. stories. There you go. <laughs> Well, I think that actually is going to wrap us up for this podcast, Grifters. Um, so, Merry Christmas for, uh, for that. Um, talk to you in a couple weeks. I'm going to wrap dot. this up because I know you what John's going to say. Angry, angry people. <laughs> so, join us next time. You're going to want to watch Blake 7. Uh, you're going to want to watch, what is <laughs> let's see. Jenny Callender, good reference, Jenny Callender. There you go. Season finale of Angel. That's a good one. The series finale of Angel, good one to watch. That's not bad. It's just cool. Join us next time when we talk about the season five finale, The Long Goodbye Job. You won't want to miss it. Be sure to send us your questions after the episode airs on Christmas, either via Twitter with the hashtag Leverage10Podcast or on the Leverage Facebook page. And if you haven't done so already, check out the new podcast from your very own Leverage showrunner, Chris Downey, The Downey Files, now on iTunes. Thanks for listening, Grifters. Thank you.